Phil, it's great to be with you. Thank you so much for sitting down with me for an episode of the podcast today. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. We're going to talk about your, your experience in supplier management and really specifically supplier value management. I stumbled upon uh, a couple of articles that you wrote a while back, and it's really relevant to what we're thinking about here at MetaCX. So I was just excited to, to get you into the, into the booth, if you will, and talk more about this topic. Before we do, can you talk a little bit about your background and, and what you're working on now? Absolutely. Yeah, so my, my background is in really the upstream, uh, in, you know, in procurement, which upstream is going to be sourcing contracts, supplier management, and spin analytics. Uh, and where I come from is I have a background of about uh, 10 years of, at, a, at a group purchasing organization where I actually did sourcing. I actually was a contract manager and implemented contract tools. But then I, I got the biggest experience when I was doing sourcing. And uh, I, gosh, I've been doing sourcing and supplier management for well over 20 years now. And um, really what I'm doing today is I'm actually leading the sourcing service line for Rice now. And uh, what I do is you know, so many, you know, we implement sourcing uh, and supplier management and contract tools for our clients, but so often is that they don't, you know, when you implement it and you go live, most companies declare victory. That's really where the work starts. You know, that that's easy, the easy part to, to be going through and doing the implementation side. So what I do is I build out different ways that they can utilize the technology uh, that can ultimately maximize their return on investment and build more strategic relationships. Excellent. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast because I I have more of a, a background in, in customer management, you know, being on the supplier side. And we are thinking a lot about this other perspective, you know, those that buy uh, you know, technologies or really, you know, manage any type of supplier relationships. So let's get into it. So first off, let's, let's define supplier value management. I, I from what I, I've gathered from your writings, you know, you do think there's a difference between the way that we talk about it. So what mm -hmm. is supplier value management to you? So I, I believe to me, it's basically processes that ensure we get uh, maximum value. So part of it is for the management part of it, it's really about just the overall managing a supplier. That's the basic supplier management is supplier discovery, it's monitoring, it's maintenance. It's basically kind of like, you know, contract lifecycle management, except that it's managing the entire life cycle of the supplier. Okay. Uh, I, I, I think it's, you know, if I think about it, a, a well-run supplier management program starts to build strategic relationships with key suppliers. I think that ultimately brings value, not only for our clients and customers, but also the suppliers. So that's just kind of the supplier management part of it. Okay. All right. And so you're kind of speaking to that there is this mm -hmm. kind of, uh, stack, if you will, of you know different competencies and disciplines within mm -hmm. supplier management, but specifically from a value perspective, it is literally talking about the um, the strategic value that that supplier brings to the to the organization to the company. And then for you, mm -hmm. is that you know talking more 
deliberately about the goals of, of the supplier relationship and ensuring that the supplier understands the business impact that they're going to have on the company that they're working with? Yes. On the management side, it's basically covering all the, the standard stuff that you would do. You're not getting into the value side of that. That's we'll, we'll probably talk about that here shortly. But the management side is just getting everything, making sure that they're onboarded, that they, they've got a process where they're sending invoices and, and they're shipping everything on time, which is the basic uh, management of that supplier and managing addresses, locations, all that kind of stuff. Okay, got it. So let's talk a little bit about the value piece. So what what goes on t- on top of what you just said to really uh, step us into the value management aspect of, of the work and the the management of that that supplier? Uh, that's a good good question because like when I think about it, when I was doing sourcing. It was basically, you know, we didn't have any technology. So I kind of had to do this all on my own. And what, what we quickly did is that, you know, we had all these suppliers and, you know, you know, I, I managed, I think, I don't know, 32 to 39 suppliers and they were all treated equally. And the thing that I see different is that, you know, whenever I'm teaching my sourcing course, I, I actually teach that all suppliers are not created equally. Uh, okay. So they shouldn't be treated equally. And right. yet when I came into it, they were, we were treating them exactly the same. So working for a group person organization, you know, we were rewarded on sales because we got admin fees on it. And mm-hmm. so basically I started changing how that, how I went through that process, but basically the value management uh, portion of it is, is the value it's bringing to both parties and the relationship. You know, it's they're working together. When we're working together, we can create amazing things. Mm-hmm. So I think of it, uh, if I had to define it, it would probably be something like supplier management is, is the strategic planning and relationship building. Okay. Uh, however, you know, I, I hate to say it as many times as I see this all the time, it's not done that way. That, that part is disregarded that a lot of our a lot of customers that I see over the last 15, 20 years is they treat suppliers as commodities okay. rather than building a relationship. But when I've seen and working together as a team, man, we can do some crazy things and bring lots of value for, for everybody involved. Yeah. So why, why is there that discrepancy? And maybe, maybe two parts to that. Why is it so important to, to create more of a st- strategic plan um, and articulate the value that we're going to uh, strive to achieve together. Um, why is that so important? So I think that, um, you know, we can go as planned and treat, treat all suppliers just like supplier management, right? Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and what you're going to do is you're going to get the regular results. But what I was able to do, I was able to increase our revenue on my portfolio. I doubled it in less than two years by changing up how we treated them. And mm. so I think that, um, you know, if, if I look at, um, at that relationship, I think that a lot of it is around transparency. So what we see a lot of um, customers in my day treat, like I said, treat them as commodities. They weren't transparent to what they were doing. They were just, you, you give this, you do this, you do that. Well, I found that when I'm, I'm asking questions to the supplier and saying, hey, what, where are your pain points? And they're like, 
I've never had anybody ask me that question. And you mean pain points in, in your organization? I mean, they, they actually do have things that they're trying to accomplish, but sometimes it's all not always a a alignment there to produce the change that they're, they're striving to produce. Yeah, exactly. Because most, most customers that when I'm talking to these manufacturers, they're, they're like, you know, they just want this, 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 they want everything, but you know, they don't ever stop to see where, where are your, where are you struggling? Is there anything I can do to help with that process? Mm-hmm. And it, it just changed every discussion that we had moving forward. And then we started building strategies to be able to do that. So we created basically a strategic plan. And I think a big part of it was um, I'm a big fan of being on site. Uh, I know with COVID, it's been difficult for for, uh, those site visits probably have gone away uh, for a good part of it. But the thing is, one thing I have learned, I was thinking about this this morning, is every supplier I visited their warehouse or their office, uh, I learned something different that I didn't know about. And um, I recall a time I was in in San Diego and I went to uh, basically the, the, the shipping dock of where one manufacturer was. And I saw two uh, 18-wheeler trucks loaded with these small boxes of, of products. And I'm like, God, that's a lot of different products. So tell me, tell me what, what, what's, your, what's your pain point with all of this? That looks like a lot of shipments. He says, yeah, all of our hospitals today are, they're, they're just in time. So we're shipping three times a week. And I go, ouch, that hurts because I know I wrote the contract. It's prepay and absorb. So you're absorbing that. And then I said, hey, what if we could put you on like a like a, a standardization program and then you could go in and we could, do you have a two, uh, a two uh, box package? Oh yeah, we got that. And so what if we made them by at least two and then they're ordering from you once a week instead of three times a week? And they said that could literally be a game changer. Oh, and nice. as of, and, and that was like, ah, gosh, that was, uh, goodness gracious, that was like 15, 16 years ago. I talked to the supplier last year and they are still implementing that same strategy we found that we had sitting on that dock. So that's what I'm talking about, building relationship. It's cut their shipping in half, actually yeah. by, by two thirds. And we were able to get additional savings because you know they we we charged we got a we got an extra amount of fifteen percent savings on it for the customers and then customers could buy it and then then after that we said hey let's run a promotion you know what yeah. would a promotion look like and so then you know that's what I'm talking about is now we're having different discussions instead of right right you know, why are you doing this wrong what are you doing wrong what more can you give me it's like hey let's do this together yeah there's a couple of things there that you. you highlight, which is just the value of being face-to-face and COVID's definitely thrown a wrench into that. And, you know, it's back to your points around segmentation. I think we talked about that a little bit more, but mm-hmm. you know, for your most strategic suppliers, you know, being face-to-face kind of post COVID hopefully is still an opportunity to uh, develop relationships, but you're, you're highlighting that, you know, when you do that, when you're on site, you just learn new things that, that you wouldn't have been able to learn otherwise, and which also speaks to this opportunity to invest in understanding the mm-hmm. the uh, the the company, you know the yeah. the, uh, the organization, mm-hmm. how they make money, you know what's yeah. what's working, what's not, and then you're able to be kind of proactive and, and make recommendations that 
uh, can really drive a business impact. And, and then the solutions are, they're not, they're not secondary, but they're more, they're more aligned to being truly valuable to, to the organization mm -hmm. and your key so stakeholders. Absolutely. And, and another example I had, I was at another manufacturer site and we were talking through their products and we had, you know, cap and gowns on. I had had the, the hairnet and the over the shoes, everything going back there. And, you know, I was just looking at all of these uh, individual products. So they they had they sold a piece of capital equipment and then they also had disposables. And then in talking with them, um, you know, uh, we, we came up to a discussion that they said, you know, to be honest, you know, we because you know, I said, well, where 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 are you most profitable? Said, oh, by far, we make all the money on the disposables, you know. So, you know, I said, well, so the so you're not so much worried about selling the capital equipment component because if they have the capital equipment, they're gonna buy the disposables. He goes, Yeah, if I could, he said, I would almost give them away. And I said, Hey, let's give them away. Let's run a promotion and let's give them away. Well, I can't do that. And so what we ended up doing, we did a promotion, just get this, we're 85% off the equipment. Wow. Okay. But then that got it in so many more hospitals, they they quadrupled their sales. Mm. Uh, by almost it's basically the the razor the Gillette razor where they gave the razor away yeah you know because you're buying yeah. you know the the the, the fill-ins the replacement blades right so it was that kind of approach and we ran it and we we grew that contract like crazy it was like like night and day but again had I not been on site had I not been talking to them face to face had I not been looking at what they were doing yeah. I probably wouldn't have even asked that question. Yeah, right. And there's an element of just being creative. Um, and I kind of appreciate the need to be curious in managing our our business relationships. And when you do, you never you never know where that's going to take you. And it, as you're you're talking through it, you know, your exercise there just presented opportunities that you might not have found otherwise. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's so important to just kind of be open to having uh uh, conversations. And mm -hmm. it, it, I think it's, it's important to call out because it's very easy to get into that, um, that commodity routine that you, you talked mm -hmm. about where it's very transactional and we're not really invested in, in trying to, to do more together at that strategic level. Mm -hmm. um, okay, great. Well, let me talk a little bit about segmentation again. So maybe break that down a little bit more. How do you think about supplier segmentation and um, maybe specifically, how do you think about that relative to the functional areas of a business? Every organization, the functions have different needs and wants relative to suppliers. Mm -hmm. uh, so what does that exercise look like to you or, or so I think for, for me, uh, I've experienced it firsthand. Uh, I created it, you know, a segmentation when I didn't really even know there was any such thing. So what I had is like I've talked about, I had 32 to 39 suppliers, all treated, all treated exactly the same. And then what, um, what I, what I decided to do was that, I, you know, I, I needed to treat them differently. The ones that are bringing in 80% of the sales and revenue, I needed to focus on those. That was about 10 to 12 suppliers. So what happened is, you know, I went in and started having, so for example, I changed the cadence. Uh, for example, like what we did is we did like uh, QBRs with pretty much all of them. Uh, most okay. of them were on site, like literally almost all of them were on site. But I mean, it was like, what I did was I started a regular uh, 
either depending upon the, the, the specific supplier, I either met with them weekly or bi-weekly if they were key suppliers. I did a, a QBR on-site every time. And then like I did, basically I did a simple one. I just said, these are the key suppliers and mm -hmm. then everybody else. Mm -hmm. And then everybody else I met with, you know, once, maybe twice a year if they had, if they had enough uh, sales in there to, to be able to do it. But that allowed me more time to do. And those 10, those 10 to 12 suppliers, those are the ones where I went on site. Okay. And that's where, you know, we focused because I wanted to build something there. I wanted to build yeah. a relationship. And, uh, and so a, a standard process when I teach it to, you know, my clients is, you know, the standard process, there's strategic, there's, you know, there's transactional commodity, et cetera, you know, just a standard group. It doesn't matter how you do it, but you definitely need to do it. Okay. Uh, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't manage a team that didn't have some sort of segmentation because say, for example, when we get into scorecarding, I yeah. scorecard my key suppliers monthly. I mm. scorecard the next phase, maybe quarterly. And then the, uh, the more transactional commodity based, I might only do them once a year or not even at all. Okay. Because okay. It's not going to matter. So that's the part is you're focusing your energy and effort on the things that matter. And because yeah. of that, that's how I was able to grow the sales by leaps and bounds. Yeah. That's great perspective. Let me come back to scorecards here in a second, but on the, okay. on the topic of QBRs, like it's, um, you know, I'm in, I'm in the technology space and there's a, it's a hot topic actually about, should we do them? Should we not do them? Do we need to do them quarterly? And I, I love your perspective because you're actually thinking about it from the buyer perspective. Uh, and you're saying like they do, uh, they are worthwhile, uh, but only typically for the most strategic be because uh, that's where they're, they're the most beneficial. And first off, am I, am I hearing you correctly? And then second, um, mm -hmm. Is it are they exercises that you actually do look forward to because that's a time to uh, kind of continue the strategic conversations or or reset or, or talk about the future? Why why has the QBR been a valuable exercise in your experience? Yeah, so that uh, I mean, I'll give you my an experience of my first QBR. Okay, so first QBR. <clears throat> this is what I experienced. I went in. The suppliers brass came in, they were all VP and up, and there was like four of them. And they sat there and pounded their chest and how great they were and how things were going. <laughs> and I, I was like, just observing. I was an observer. I was being yeah. talked to, right? Mm -hmm. And so then the next day, I find out they're underreporting sales. There were delivery issues. Supplier, some of the the some of our hospitals were struggling with uh, some of the the way that they were being treated, and I'm like, well, that didn't come out, you know. And uh -huh. so at that moment, after that first one, I'm like, this will never happen again. So mm -hmm. basically, what I did was it just changed it. I set the agenda, I pulled in reports, you know, mm -hmm. and and basically I led the discussion versus them. You know, I gave them 15 minutes to have their pound on their chest yeah. but then the rest of it was okay here are the sales coming in these are down these are up you know it looks like we're, we're having some issues and some of those I found that by challenging them they were like well no one's ever challenged us on our numbers before I'm saying I'm telling you it's not right I know it's not right so you yeah. need to go check it they checked it and then in that one call you know we found about 1.7 million that they had a hospital 
not listed as one of our hospitals and they weren't paying fees on it. So right there, you know, I don't know how much, you know, how much the, the fees were, but that made it worthwhile right there. Absolutely. So, so, so real quick, you, uh, you took ownership of the QBR and mm-hmm. I, I, that's fascinating to me because it, it feels like it's very unusual, but it's a good insight to the power of the supplier can be an open-minded to that. Maybe even mm-hmm. for, you know, other uh, kind of examples in your world or outside your world, I guess, and just normal QBR mm-hmm. management, that's, that's a best practice. Like give the, give the, the customer more, um, more opportunity to, to lead there. Yeah. And then what, what I did after I left sourcing and I went to supply chain, supply chain data management, then I developed, you know, reports for QBRs that could be used uh, that you could just run them and tell. Now what I do with my clients today is that, you know, again, you know, for the key strategic suppliers, these are key to our business. I'm going to do a monthly scorecard on Mm-hmm. I'm going to wait for a quarter and then I'm going to have trending, right? So that QBR, I'm going to be looking at the last three months and the last 12 months and see, are we trending up? Are we trending yeah. down? Another part about, about, uh, uh, about those QBRs is that, you know, we are, are focused on the task at hand. We're not being told exactly the supplier story we're telling the story yeah. as it is right now yeah. and i'll tell you it was some of them were really uncomfortable because they weren't they, they didn't used to have to do that and then i've got my executives with me and they're like oh wow okay yeah what is going on here you know they're not used to it because they're usually it's it's pat on the back we're great we're great we're awesome right. We're, right. we're bringing out these new products we're rolling we're killing it and that's what what that one came up they were saying how much their sales were up and i said well why are the sales flat? Something's yeah. not right. Yeah. You know, yeah. you see what I'm saying? So, but, but either way, it's, it's, a, it's a big part. It's a change. It takes more time. It takes more effort. And again, those QBRs, I don't necessarily do them with all my, all my suppliers. I right. Segment right. Them because that allows me the time to spend because it takes a lot of effort to get, do all that work before the, uh, the actual QBR. If I had all my suppliers, I would. I yeah. Would do them. Yeah, I think that's that's there's there's a burnout there, and I think that is uh, starting to be well recognized in the market, really across industries and, and to all your points. Uh, but what I I also take away is like you, the QBR is a really beneficial exercise when the customer has the, the venue to talk about their business. Mm-hmm. The supplier needs to, if they're truly customer centric, needs to kind of mm-hmm. give the floor. Um, but it's a tremendous opportunity to learn more about the customer's business and how they can help. Um, yeah. And yeah, you got to talk about, you know, features, products that, that, that are mm-hmm. come to market, but it needs to be more aligned to the needs of the customer. And that's why uh, I think what we're saying is that that, that truly is value, value management there in, in many ways. It so, is. And, and one other thing I'm going to say, you're also going to be asking them, what are their pain points during that yeah. discussion, right? Yeah, so yeah. you got the bigger group, you're, you're strategizing about how we can help them. In some cases, they had a problem with the hospital and we had to intervene. And, and, and so, I mean, we didn't know about it had we not asked those questions. Right, right. Now back to the scorecard. So yeah. mm-hmm. that exercise maybe at a tactical level, what are some of the things you are monitoring uh, just <clears throat> generically, if, if that is possible? Mm-hmm. And then are you putting that in front of the supplier and say, here's how we're measuring you? Um, or is it more 
uh, more of a private exercise for, for you. Yeah. So the way that um, I'm going to tell this in a story, uh, a, a real okay. life story. So it, it'll kind of take into fan because I believe that scorecards are, they're, they're critical to the business. If you're not doing them, you should be doing them. I'm not saying you should be doing them for every supplier. I can tell you when we first started, when we, when I first implemented, I thought, oh, wow, you know, yeah, we need to do this. So we, we implemented scorecards for every supplier and it just bombed because, you know, you can't, <laughs> you know, somebody's got to review a thousand scorecards, right? Right, it's right, right. Doable, right. But I didn't think about it just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. So that's where that segmenting comes into play. But what happens is, you know, we, what I think is critical to it is the visibility and the transparency. So what I think is the best value is to have scorecards, but to share those scorecard numbers with yeah. your suppliers. Yeah. Most clients don't like that, right? But again, if I'm going to do it for the key suppliers. I'm not necessarily going to do it for every single supplier, but the key ones I am, they need to know if right. they're scoring, uh, if, you know, where they're deficient, whether it's in you know, say, say, for example, you know, are we getting invoicing that is error free? They're not having to be sent back. Are they delivering on time? What is their response time on, you know, for issues and, 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 you know, being able to, to manage, uh, you know, customer, uh, you know, success there. Yeah. So I, th I think that what happened is uh, the story I have is that I had a client that uh, implemented, we implemented uh, scorecards. And uh, they set the bar at about 80% because they gave supplier awards. Suppliers love, love, love getting awards, right? So the bar, the entry point was 80, was, was a, a score of 80. And so what we found, and then we shared those with them. We shared the numbers. We went through, we didn't share the confidential information that people scored them. We okay. shared the score in the category and okay. showed them over time. If it was monthly or quarterly, we could show that trend. And then what happened is that as they progressed, they had to raise the bar because everybody was making it. And so they ended up moving it, the bar, the last time we were at the, the minimum threshold was like 96. Okay. So they went from 80 to 96. And I want to tell you that, uh, that 16 points was all this additional value they were offering that we would have never got had we not done that. Just by so, surfacing that exercise that you're running internally, the scorecard exercise, yeah. it mm -hmm presented an opportunity for the supplier to add more value. That's, that's really and, good. Exactly. And so if they wanted to be considered for the award, they had to have 96 on their scorecard for, for the year on average. Oh, so I see. Yeah. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So, but yeah. we, you can't do it if you're doing it behind the scenes, they don't right. know their score. That's really interesting. That's a good story um, on the, yeah. on the relationship between value and the scorecards. Are you in that score? scoring exercise are you do you have a category for value delivery like uh, from a business impact standpoint typically i like yeah i like to include um and and again you we've got technology that can help us with this and what i call that is uh supplier innovation okay that's why i like that and that's just leaving it wide open are they creating new products are they giving us diff different value are they giving us you know um you know credits for, for learning, you know, uh, those kind of things that we would normally have to pay for, mm. uh, any of those things. 
And that's, that's where that innovation comes into play. That's good. Yeah. Do you think about through the lens of business outcomes as well? You know, we have, we have problems that we're trying to solve uh, within the organization and we need the supplier to help us. And we kind of think about the, the outcomes of, of the relationship. Does that mm-hmm. factor in for you? Absolutely. So if, if uh, a lot of times what we will do is we will position. So say if we got a category that we've got a couple of suppliers that uh, they're on contract, I'll, I'd reach out to, to both of them and say, you know, we've got, uh, you know, something that we want to look at and address. Uh, do you, what, what ideas do you have? And you can actually include some of that stuff in the scorecards. Right. And that's really part of that development and uh, innovation part of it. I see. I see. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Bill, this has been a fantastic discussion. I've got one more question for you. Uh, mm-hmm. The name of the podcast is Value Builders. And mm-hmm. uh, I really talk to all, all types of professionals and different various levels of experience and uh, industries. Uh, but everybody is in the business of, of creating value. So what mm-hmm. does it mean to you to be a value builder? How do you think about it? So I, I believe that we are put on this earth to be of service. To, and help each other. I mean, this is why, you know, back, uh, gosh, I guess it's been about, uh, I published my first kid's book, you know, on, on how to build high self-esteem. Oh, it's cool. about that kind of thing about giving from the lessons that I've learned. Um, you know, we go through this long learning curve that we, you know, w- what we do is, you know, we teach and I teach uh, my students to, avoid the same mistakes I've made. You know, it's like, uh, you know, in one of the classes that I teach and have developed is, um, it's called RFP, uh, Best Practice Template Writing. So it's teaching teaching them through six weeks how to build a best practice RFP. So I have an entire class that's basically on common question mistakes. And whenever I start that, I say, I call this question mistakes, but you might as well call it common bill mistakes because I have made every single mistake. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you a story about that mistake. And so it kind of makes it stick to them. Right. But you kind of are sharing your vulnerabilities to them. Right. Mm -hmm. That makes it that makes it real uh, for them. Uh, But, you know, the thing is, I'm not afraid to make mistakes. Uh, but I, and I think it's part one of the key components of being a value builder is being open to that. Mm-hmm. I tell my students, you know, whenever I'm teaching is that you should learn something from everything, from every engagement, from every supplier engagement, every contract, every RFP that you run, you've got to, to you know, learn something from it. And what you what you've done is you've gone out, you've got that experience. You know, why not teach it to others? And, yeah. and I'll end with one of my favorite quotes. And uh, it, it's, if I get this right, it's good judgment is usually the result of experience. Mm. Experience is usually the result of bad judgment. <laughs> I love that. Uh, that's a great end, ending note. Well, Bill, thank you so much for giving me some time today, kind of pulling from your, your experiences and your stories. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on.